0: Here at Renew Energy Partners, climate change is very important to us, and so is beer. In every episode of the Green Beers podcast, we taste beer together. We talk about the brewery and their sustainability practices, and then we talk about a topic relating to our work in decarbonizing buildings and mitigating climate change. Welcome to Green Beers. My name is Mike Savage, and I'm here with Charlie Lord.
1: Nathan Montgomery.
0: And our special guest. Shane Kelly. Alrighty. Well we uh, we're we're excited today. We are drinking a beer from Brooklyn Brewery. Um, each of us all have a oh that that actually that sounds really nice. That come through the, uh, the the phones here.
2: Um, <laughs> I,
0: I have a Purple Heart or Purple
2: Art Hazy IPA. And I have the summer ale. Mike and I failed to properly uh, follow instructions. So we are um, we're drinking, we're tasting several beers from Brooklyn Brewery. Shane and Nathan did follow instructions. What do you guys have?
1: We've got the lager here, which I believe is the original recipe.
2: Yes, one of the first craft brews in uh, America alongside Sierra Nevada, which we talked about recently.
1: Gotcha, gotcha. Shane, have you tried Brooklyn Brewing before?
3: No, I have not. I had never heard of it, but apparently they sell it at Seven Eleven right around the corner, so it worked out well.
2: <laughs> Perfect.
1: It's my. This is my first taste as well.
2: The the, the um the 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 arrival of craft brewery brewing when you can get Brooklyn at the Seven Eleven nearby. <laughs> so, certainly, why, yeah. Actually, why the distribute? the
1: butcher shop. Yeah. The butcher shop near me sells amazing craft beer, which is another interesting combination. Well, mm-hmm. I, I
0: feel like that there's definitely some like hipster alignment um, with, with the
2: certain butcher shop. Uh, that, may, that, yeah. that may dial in Nathan's neighborhood for us.
1: <laughs> Lol. It's up and
0: coming.
2: That's it, man. Always and forever. Alrighty. Um,
0: so uh, we're, we're going to transition into, uh, Shane, you've recently joined Renew. Um, so we're going to, kind of kick things off with, um, you know, a hard hitting question about your background, uh, dogs or cats?
3: Uh, it, dogs for sure. I have one. He's insane.
0: Okay. And, and if you will- but
3: I do come from a long line or worked in vet med for several years and I can honestly say cats are just terrible. They're
2: just, I, I'm, they're <laughs> I'm right there with you. Oh Yeah. <laughs> We should provide some context. So, welcome to Shane, who's our most uh, recently joined team member. Great to have you on the team. Uh, Shane did come to us from managing an animal hospital. Um, so, th- those are those are fighting words for cat lovers. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, but she knows whereof she speaks. <laughs>
0: absolutely, uh, it's an important follow up. Were a dog? What kind of breed?
3: Um, oh God, I never thought about that. I mean, probably just your standard rescue mutt, like just a little bit of everything going on. I don't think I'm like crazy enough to be like a Malamute or like Husky or something, but um, probably a golden, honestly.
0: Okay. Just yeah. Golden. <laughs> I, I, I love this exercise. Happy like to have fun. Of, uh... Exactly.
2: Yeah. Happy go lucky. That's good
0: um no what if i mean
2: golden retrievers are like the mascot for happy and uh easygoing right
1: they really are what uh what's your dog's name
3: luca he's just a little rescue mutt
1: nice you gotta love rescue mutts honestly
2: (laughs) yeah thursday is dog day at renew upcoming so we'll have a report back on that we're gonna have the dogs in the office on thursday (laughs) it is uh so shane perfect so Shane, are you a beer person generally speaking?
3: I go through phases where I yeah. have beer then I'll kind of swap out. Um I don't generally not a lot of it now.
2: Do you, what do you remember your first beer? <laughs>
3: Oh God! it was probably something really amazing, like a Keystone Light. It's really
2: <laughs> Keystone. That's consistent. Really terrible
3: ones that yeah. you can put in like a party punch or something.
2: Yeah, right. Exactly. And how about your favorite beer? Do you have a favorite?
3: Loggers are my preference. Um, nice. Out here, I drink a lot of Jack's Abbey, from a, a local brewery out here. Um, back west, I used to drink um, Black Tooth Brewery was one of my favorites.
2: Wow, where's Blacktooth from?
3: Uh, I believe they're out of Colorado or sorry uh, Wyoming
2: Cool yeah Jack's Abbey specializes in loggers. That's their thing is to make interesting loggers. I don't know that we've done them, but they're a, I think they're from Worcester so they're certainly um a, a local candidate
0: yeah I think they're or, so or framingham it, or something you know yeah maybe framingham yeah, yeah. And,
2: that's right yeah. yeah.
1: Shane, if it's not beer, then, then what's your drink of choice, alcoholic or otherwise?
3: Oh, uh, Bloody Marys are my all-time favorite. Mm. I love Bloody Marys. Mm.
2: All right. It doesn't have the only... same ring to it, the Green Bloody Mary podcast. It's a little confusing. <laughs> yeah, but
0: it's socially acceptable <laughs> I... to drink in the morning, you know, so it's... <laughs> yeah, that's exactly <laughs> right.
2: Just to be yeah. clear, we're recording this late in the afternoon. <laughs>
0: That's fair. That's fair. Uh, yeah, I think. Yeah, go shit. ahead, Mike. Sustainability decarbonization. You know, what what drives you, or what, you know, have have you been at Renew? What 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 have you found most interesting about about the work that we do, We are, we are doing.
3: Yeah, I honestly, I was just really excited to join Renew so that I could be a part of something that's making a difference. I have a. I used to actually study the effects of climate change and diminishing natural resources on the effects of uh, wildlife and plant life. And I kind of like now that I get to be almost to kind of go back a little bit and be at the source of where this effects are happening and be a part, a very small part, but a part in kind of helping to reduce those carbon emissions. And so I think that's really great. And I've also learned, how many different ways there are to reduce like the carbon emissions and change energy in buildings. And it's amazing.
2: Yeah. Well, I like to, I like to think that every one of us gets to um, claim every carbon of every ton of carbon that we reduce in the atmosphere. So, <laughs> and, and it's great to have you on the team, Shane. Thank um, you. Happy one to other,
1: be here. Yeah. One other question, Shane, in terms of, you're talking about, uh, studying wildlife and and uh flora fauna agriculture how climate change impacts that tell tell us just a little bit more about what your interest there was like what um you know either what species or what geographical locations or other topic.
3: uh so i actually got my degree in wildlife biology and management and i worked in um alaska Wyoming and California on a couple different studies. Some of them affected or some of them just determined like how climate change was affecting the like riparian areas around streams and how that's, how like chemicals and their push for natural resources, like trying to mine for oil and everything was really affecting all of that. And then also just the general effects on wildlife and their populations. Um, So I did different studies in all different areas. And ultimately, all areas of wildlife and plant life are affected by climate change and everything that we can see is happening around us in
1: the world. One hundred percent, and that's that's a fantastic background to bring to renew. It's really cool.
2: It's really cool. There was a um, interactive um, uh, article on the, uh, uh, I think it was in the Times a a week or two ago, so that this would have been early November, that showed the pace of um extinction uh worldwide since about the turn of the 20th century uh it's depressing needless to say but it sort of illustrated what change is described very interesting yeah and a call a call to action for what we're all doing so
0: Yeah, I was going to say that's the, that's the transition from uh, something depressing uh, to hopefully a l- little bit of spiring. The uh, the the Inflation Reduction Act is uh, is what we're going to dive into today. Um, it's kind of the the classic, will they or won't they on the uh, on the uh, on, on the congressional side. Uh, this this bill, you know, for the most part, started out as the Build Back Better program. Um, you know. Uh, and even as, as I think that, like, the original program, like, you know, looking at like six trillions of dollars to, to do everything from, you know, um, uh, housing to education to, you know, uh, what we are, are talking about today, which is the energy component. After, after you know, many rounds of uh, negotiations, what, what was left was, uh, you know, the Inflation Reduction Act, which, uh, you know, I think works very well with with you know renew, which is the inflation reduction. You know, trying to reduce energy costs and and the goal of, and uh, about how they went about that is uh, essentially trying to drive the market through extended uh, energy tax credits. Um, historically, tax credits um, have come and gone, and and as developers of clean energy projects, it's it's definitely been a challenge to see. Um, you know, to develop projects that, that take two to three years and, and you know, well, I only have, you know, 18 months left on a tax credit. So what they did was they, they extended uh, these, these tax credits all the way out to the end of the decade. Uh, they, they extended the definition so that not only are we looking at solar, solar photovoltaics, but solar thermal, geothermal, um, thermal and also standalone storage that we can achieve a 30% tax credit. Um, and the second side of that is that they also changed rules on, on how we can monetize that tax credit, and and what I'm hearing in the background, in case you're wondering, that is uh, uh my my son is uh, uh pretending to vacuum something, uh, so, so <laughs> I, I I apologize about that. Quick um,
2: question: Given that he's two, does he have a real vacuum, or is this a uh, this uh, is a toy uh,
0: this is a toy vacuum? Um, you know, excellent. And he likes to run around and make vacuum sounds. So, uh, it's, <laughs> uh, but, um, you know, that's a um, family
2: friendly podcast, by the way.
0: Ap- yeah. You know, even though it's <laughs> alcohol related, we're, we're definitely a family, family friend, friendly group here. Um,
1: so Mike, just a quick question, yeah. quick question. You're talking about, let's go right. So one thing, right. Big thing that the inflation reduction act did was, uh, you know that we're extend these tax credits and open them up to more people and more scenarios how my question is I, you know speaking as a as I, i'm one of the youngest millennials you could probably find in the world um does that mean and, you just right, skated
2: and, in under the wire to the millennial cutoff
1: yeah ju- exactly so exact so um you know, so I hear I hear what people in my generation and, and younger are talking about. And, you know, there have been large criticisms of the Inflation Reduction Act as you know, not doing enough. Um, but I think, you know, one of the important things to, to focus on, right, are those positive impacts. And so the question is, OK, tax credits, but why is that important? Why is us being able to to claim these credits and other you know, why? Why? How does that take carbon out of the air?
2: Mike, may I take a run at that one? Absolutely. So, it, it, two things um, about this particular act that do make a big difference, and Mike, Mike has already mentioned it, but you know, a tax credit um, is a dollar for dollar reduction in your tax bill. So, unlike a tax deduction, which is really a, redu- a reduction in your taxable income, which then really means about thirty percent of that. Um, or whatever your tax um, your tax category is uh, this this you know this is a dollar for dollar reduction so in the year that it's claimed that it is it is functionally you know uh, uh, an immediate impact on the taxpayers um, bottom line as it were in before the inflation reduction act there was a very very narrow definition of of what kinds of entities qualified to take the tax credit and so in order for projects to get the benefit of the tax credit there are very very complicated and very expensive legal structures involved the example is called one example is a partnership flip where you bring somebody in who, who does qualify to take the tax credit they become an investor in the project They take all the tax benefits. They have to own a particular percentage of the project for a certain number of years. Then you flip it back, hundreds of thousands of dollars in legal bills, and not to mention, as Mike said, that are only applied to solar and wind. Um, What that means is that even though this is a dollar-for-dollar reduction in somebody's tax bill and therefore valuable, there weren't as many projects using it, and there wasn't that much renewable energy driven by it. I don't want to understate the extent to which solar and wind exploded in the last 10 years, and the tax credits were a big piece of that. It's just that it was limited to certain scenarios, certain kinds of taxpayers, and certain technologies. So what you have now with it, it increased to 30% for a wide range of technologies, geothermal, cogeneration, etc., just have more projects that can use it. And the provision regarding transferability where a project owner like us can transfer it to somebody who who wants and needs the tax credit means for much less in the way of legal costs and time, we can monetize that. And so more projects that didn't pencil out in terms of delivering savings to a customer now do. And we're doing geothermal projects with the hospital where we were standing on our heads to make it interesting to the customer. And now with that tax credit, because we can transfer it to a, to a qualifying tax credit um, transferee, that is someone who can use the tax credit, um, we can, for 85 or 90 cents on the dollar. So if we do a $10 million project and it's $3 million worth of tax credits, we can get 80, 90% of that is literally cash on the day the project, uh, you know, the year the project goes into commercial operation. That changes the economics of the project. More projects get done, more carbon gets reduced.
1: I love those examples. Yeah.
2: Yeah. And it's, you know, it's it's interesting because everyone from our board to our investors, and this is happening across our industry, uh, have asked. Well, what effect does it have on your pipeline what is it what effect does it have on your total forecast for how much work you're going to do in the next 5 years and then the the effect is real projects that would not have gone forward are now going to go forward because the customer is going to say that's now interesting to me and you know again the transferability is important because tax uh, you know because of the cost of the of legal costs and transaction costs of things like the partnership flip small projects never used it so you couldn't do all you know, as Shane pointed out, one of the things we're learning is that every little bit helps, right? We have a partner that is uh, to, that is that owns, developed, and owns a patent on and sells very interesting technology for reducing energy usage in cold storage. Cold storage on its own represents something like five percent of the energy use in the country, maybe more. Um, this is a technology that's deployed in say 500 to 1000 to a million dollar projects, sometimes less than that. They could ne- first of all they didn't qualify. Second of all even if they did, it would have been too expensive to bring lawyers in to do the tax credit. Now all of the pro- the projects we do with them have that tax credit available, and so we're just going to do more projects with them because of it.
1: So. Fantastic. Real uh Legislation equaling real dollars towards renewables. Makes sense to me. So Mike, what else what else uh what other changes besides
0: tax credits are we talking about here? Well, I mean I I don't want to understate the value of the tax credits. I mean it, it's the the breast that 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 they went, right? It, it's not only right solar, it's the geothermal projects, it is the cogeneration, it's microgrid projects, which is really going to be the future of distributed generation, right? A microgrid controller can now qualify for a 30% tax credit. Um, and I also don't want to understate the value of, right, uh, of transferability because, well, I, you think all these companies are making money, they're going to have a tax appetite. Well, in reality, almost all businesses are set up so that they don't have a tax appetite at the end of the year because of appreciation, long-term tax planning. So, us having the ability to transfer it, deliver value that is an operating expense can facilitate projects to happen a lot sooner than later. Um, you know, I I, I think uh, some so, you know the 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 IRA also did some very cool things when when it comes to EV charging and and tax credits there as well. Um, overall, the the program and. You know that that vacuum is really getting getting put to work today. Uh, <laughs> we uh, may
2: need to have the guys on one of the shows coming up.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, we'll uh, you know a, um, uh, they they would go wild for some root beer. They, they've never had that. So <laughs> uh, the yeah, I mean. EV charging. Um, and then, you know, there are definitely changes in depreciation on the 179D, which we've been looking into, which is uh, an interest uh, tax benefit for for depreci- adding essentially depreciation, um, which, you know, many business owners are probably familiar with. You know, every year at the end of the year, you see, uh, you know, Ford and, you know, they, they put out their car commercials that show, oh, qualify for the 179. Buy this commercial piece of equipment because you get one hundred percent depreciation. Well, um, you know, just like buying that F three hundred and fifty, you know, they, this is kind of the the same sort of law has been enacted to facilitate depreciation, uh, bonus depreciation on on energy projects. So, um, you know, we're kind of diving deep into into the tax side of things, which which is pretty boring. Um, but like, that's that, that's I mean that that's you know energy is the story of money and, and money is tax so it's it's kind of it's all 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 circular here.
2: Yeah, well, it's amazing how excited you can get about tax policy when it when it makes a customer say yes to decarbonization. <laughs> and there are significant grant programs. There's there's significant grant money for um, these kinds of projects as well in targeted in, in targeted settings. Um, uh, driving and, for example, more projects like this in in communities and neighborhoods that haven't seen uh, the benefits of decarbonization. Um, So we're just beginning to explore that. But alongside the tax policy changes are straight grant dollars to try to drive more of these projects uh, to be more equitably distributed across the country as well.
1: Fantastic. Uh, no, I, I think those, I mean, anything that incentivizes these projects for renewables and energy efficiency and takes carbon out of the air, right. It it does come down to those, to those tax codes and, and, you know, what, uh, legislatures and legislators in Washington come up with. I mean, uh, even just talking about the 179 D, um, we had a conversation earlier today, um, talking about how, um, firms like ours could potentially benefit from the 179 D tax credit, which would, which should, again, would allow us to depreciate, uh, the assets that we install. But, um, interestingly enough, you know, you know, the reason we have to dive deeper is because, um, you know, legislators in the IRS, they thought of a lot of different scenarios in this bill that, that, um, are very helpful, but didn't think about, uh, investors like us um so we kind of fall in this this kind of between space gray area within the tax code which is why we're having to to dive so deep right
2: it's not Um, necessarily clear we can take the 170 90 tax deduction and we need to figure that out um but you know it's it speaks to the larger project now i mean nathan you mentioned the fact that your generation and shane i'd be interested to on in your thoughts um and your friends about this, um, but you know there was a sense among many people. Well, I, I guess it depends on where you started and, and and how you look at the story, right? There was a sense of uh, that this, from a policy standpoint, we didn't go far enough this year to tackle climate change. But given the fact that that it looked like for a long time that we would at the at the, in the U.S. do absolutely nothing, it felt like a big win, right? And what, but I think you pointed it to it. You pointed to it, Nathan, which is that there's there's incentives and architectures sort of put in place now, and what happens and the magnitude of the impact by 2030, which is our next big milestone, is really up to the whole economy and all the actors in it. Um, people who buy electric cars, our customers, firms like ours, investors. You know, there's an architecture put in place now to try to take a run at reducing carbon in a number of different ways. And what happens is up to our ability to innovate, uh, the willingness of regulators to make it clear uh, what qualifies to help us utilize these new tools. It's kind of an exciting time, right? There's a roadmap now. There's some tools to use. Can we and others, can everybody in this economy sort of jump on and figure out their place and use the tools we've been given to maximize the carbon emissions reductions. It's almost as if we were given a a guidebook and a set of tools and we have until twenty thirty to build a, a somewhat decarbonized economy, right? <laughs> yeah.
3: Do you feel that the the layout of the bill is it do you think it's putting more money or putting more energy into the ways that we already know to decarbonize, or are they putting things forward as well to people who are creating new ways
2: That's a great on that? That's a great question, Jane. And I think the fact that more more te- technologies qualify does provide some real boost to innovation. And I think this, this uh, phase change material in, in cold storage is an example of that. The fact that they qualify, it's a relatively new invention. I mean, I think I've talked about it before. Uh, the inventor was putting um, one of those cold packs into his daughter's lunchbox and all of a sudden had the insight that this would be an incredible way to control the temperature in uh, cold storage warehouses without using electricity. True story. <laughs> so there, there's clearly room there to drive innovation. Um, I, and honestly, that's something we could circle back on because I haven't really thought about it, except for I did talk to the CEO of that company, Last week, we talked about the fact that they're bringing us a bunch of projects that they think will now be exciting to customers because of the tax credit. So there are cutting-edge technologies benefiting it, benefiting from it, but it would be interesting to look at the bill from the angle of your question and say, how does this drive innovation, if at all?
1: Yeah, it's a it's a great question, and I, I certainly think that um, – I mean – in. Charlie, I want to come back to your point about, you know, it's kind of up to us as members of the economy, right? I mean, you know, Renew can play its part, but it's, you know, the the U.S. economy as a whole, the global economy, like the U.S. economy as a whole, that's going to determine, you know, what our progress is by 2030. Um, Looking at even, you know, these different tax credits, looking at 179D, another one I've been looking at, um, Section 1706. Um, now you're um, just showing Department off. Of <laughs> loan programs office. I'm in a research role. This <laughs> yeah, is my job. I love it. Right?
2: I love it. But, so what does se- a, what is Section seventeen oh six do?
1: It's a it gives out um, uh, three hundred sixty nine billion in tax credits. Um, wow. In low interest loans. Um, oh no, two hundred fifty billion, including two hundred fifty billion in low interest loans. Um, and so it, the wow, see, I mean, part of the incentive, right?
2: Go ahead. Well, I was just going to say, we didn't even touch on it, but $250 billion here, $250 billion there, now you're really talking.
1: Right. But but the thing is, the thing is, is that, you know, this could help incentivize, you know, private projects right. in, to get additional revenue. However, um, it's all about, do people know about this, right? Uh, do people, not only do people, ha- can they, do they learn about it and they're educated about it, but then. Do they actually use those credits and you know use this new legislation to uh, create these decarbonization projects? And because it really all comes down to the you know the implementation, the action behind the legislation. No, that's a great point. Yeah,
2: that's exactly that. Where we that is a great point. Um, Will we will people pick up the tools, as, as you said? Yeah, right,
0: right. We'll just have to see. So i think the the full like ira is like a you know 700 page bill so you know we not very few people have read it all but you know we, we hope to just you know bring a little bit of insight onto the the energy side and just want people to know that this is going to drive projects that otherwise would not have been uh financially feasible and, and we're, we're very excited about that and bullish on the the next 10 years worth of work um on the uh, project finance side for for the built environment And I think we got got a a great team here. So with that, let's uh, let's transition to what everyone came for.
2: Our 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 ratings. (laughs) Having we having talked about picking up the tools, we're now gonna pick up our beers.
1: (laughs) Absolutely. More IRA discussions to be continued for now. I'm enjoying this lager.
0: (laughs) So the hazy IPA is a uh, it's like a fruity IPA. Um, in fact, it says it's tropically hoppy. I don't know what that means, um, but you know it's it's a good beer. Um, I, let's let's go. I, I'll I'll leave everyone in suspense on on how I will rank this. I'll wait for some more more comments. Well,
2: because you have to rank it on the on the traditional beer score, and then you have to also rank it on the Mike Savage crushability. Yeah. <laughs> score. Right. Right. So.
1: <laughs> I, I can go, I can go, so that, right, this is their classic lager, it's an amber, 5.2%, uh, I can certainly see why it's a classic, it, it tastes good to me, I'm drinking it real easily, I have more in the fridge that I could definitely start on once we're done here, but um, that the drinkability is is high, so I'm going to say, I'm going to give it a, I'm going to give it a, a 75 Plus one point for the sustainability factor, but the I, you know, I could pretty easily in terms of the number I could drink the the Mike Savage um, scale. I'm gonna say four. This four or five is pretty would be pretty easy. That's pretty, a, that's easy, pretty I think high. Mike Savage
2: yeah. Yeah, it's
1: just easy. Yeah. I'm not even. It feels like I'm not even drinking beer. Shane,
2: how about you? Where, what's your score for this one?
3: um you know i I'm preferential to loggers, so I like it, so I do appreciate that that was the selection for the week <laughs>
2: um
3: and honestly, I think it's all right um I'd probably give it i'd give it a seven i think I think it's it's good um I wish it had like a little more i guess like something behind it it's it's a good logger, but it's it's standard
2: doesn't jump out at you, yeah.
3: Yeah, So which I have, had a little more like flavors mixed in.
2: Right, I have the summer ale, a sunny pale ale, five percent ABV. Um, also good. I mean, uh, very. Uh, you know, they call it a pale ale. It tastes almost like a lager to me. Um, doesn't have anything particularly to recommend it. Not a not a not a bad beer, but it doesn't stand out from any other summer ale I might have or or sort of light lager. So I would have to give it around a six and a half. Um, however, um, after uh, I, I, we should talk about the sustainability, I, I would give it a full point, the full one point adder on the sustainability because their programs are amazing. So, Mike, should we get your score? Yeah, before yeah, we jump yeah, yeah, the yeah, Sustainability
0: adder. So, like, there's nothing great about this beer. Like, I, I didn't, I, I wanted before, I, I didn't know where everyone else was going to go. So I, I didn't want to you know, just like start by crushing them. But like,
2: <laughs> I mean, I'm sure like maybe and, and maybe as I'm thinking out loud. Does that mean we can influence your vote, Mike, going forward? No,
0: no, no. I mean, like if you guys say it's great, then I'll feel even more better about like saying how how I don't like it. Um, <laughs> you know, I I, I I won't like continue the, the downward trend.
2: Uh, you won't pile on. I might
0: raise it up and, in, in, you, know, you know, being being a good good uh supporter of uh brooklyn brewery but uh yeah uh six two you know like um there's nothing spectacular about a tropical hoppy beer it's not too hoppy it tastes kind of fruity um it's maybe i should have a different list for ipas because i probably just don't like them as much anymore um and i'll give it like a a two on the, the drinkability and a three if like they came back like do you want another? But I'm not gonna change because I'm not that kind of person. So that's uh that, that's where I'm at.
2: <laughs> so it's a two on the Mike Savage scale, and if someone came back and offered him another, he'd take yeah. it. Which is something. Yeah. 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 So
1: I mean, that's kind of what I'm saying. Is it's not, it's not like amazing, but I could keep drinking right. it. Is I guess right. that was the nature of now. My review. So
2: on the sustainability, we should, we have to give major shout outs. They, they, they found, they started a green team. They put together a green team in 2013 with representatives from each department to coordinate new initiatives. And most importantly, they have internal benchmarking and metrics. I have not seen that from. Uh, I guess Sierra Nevada had it, but. You know, they're measuring every year. They've done all the stuff we've talked about and more. They have high-efficiency boilers. They have wind energy purchased from Community Energy uh, for their demand. Uh, They've reduced their demand through heat exchangers, but they divide it up into the the carbon footprint and, and impact of their beer, the carbon footprint and impact of their facilities, other facilities, the warehouse and the office. They've done LED lighting and so forth, all the stuff we would fund. And then they also also support community organizations through their donations program, including one called the Billion Oyster Project, which is actually a really cool thing. That mm-hmm. I've heard of this from a couple of people recently. The Billion Oyster Project is restoring oyster reefs to the New York Harbor through public education initiatives. Um, and, uh, and the oyster habitat will... Um, filter and clean the water of the harbors. It also provides an opportunity for science projects. And it al- they also will protect the city from storm damage. So anyway, they're not just donating to the sort of usual suspects, they're doing some interesting community projects
1: too. No, they're doing great stuff, really reducing their energy in all sorts of ways. They're, you know, whether it's water conservation, they're composting, and I'll just highlight again, that in 2016, they switched to all LED lighting, which is probably, um, if you're looking for an energy efficiency retrofit, um, updating your lighting is going to be probably the first step. And you can learn more on our latest blog post on at RenewEP.com. <laughs> nice. Nice.
2: Beautiful, shameless plug. There I we go. I love that. Cross <laughs> plug. That's beautiful. <laughs> Alrighty, All right. Well, this was fun. Fantastic. Um, next time, Nathan, we'll have an update on, uh, our scoring to date since the inception of the pod. We've been promising that for several se- episodes, but we will indeed have a recap on, um, where we stand. Will I'm actually a little bit in suspense. I'm excited to to hear what is our number one ranked beer, uh, to date.
0: Got to get to the, the big board. I, I think it might be a main beer co, but, uh. You know we will find out next week
2: green beers is brought
0: to you by renew energy partners your partner in building decarbonization decarbonizing your building is good for the earth and it's a smart business move but it's complicated and it can cost you a lot of money our goal is to decarbonize your building while saving you money so all of those retrofits pay for themselves learn more at renewep.com